How do you discover your life's calling? What a big question, and one that I've wrestled with, I know Dave's wrestled with, and we've thought about a lot over the years. And maybe it's a topic you need to discuss, or after you're listening to this podcast, you want to reach out to someone. So I just encourage you, message us, Ezra at themondaychristian.com or Dave at themondaychristian.com, and we'd love to chat with you about this. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program dedicated to helping you put into action the truth of God's word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. And now, here are your hosts, Ezra Beyer and David Hartkopf. Welcome to the Monday Christian Podcast again. Glad to be back after my wife and I were up in North Pool, Alaska for about a week and a half. And so, Dave, thanks for covering for us last week, stepping in, flying the solo. Audience, the audience missed you, as I'm certain I'm of it. Sure but did, maybe yeah. you could just give us a 30-second soundbite because, you know, a lot of people have misconceptions of what it's like in North Pole, Alaska. So what would you tell What was your trip oh, like man. in 30 seconds? Well, my wife's family is moving down from Alaska. They've been there 40 years, moving down to Idaho. Uh, um, so we were help, flew up there to help them kind of get ready for the move, all that. And uh, North Pole, Alaska, it's built 30 minutes out, or uh, 20 minutes outside Fairbanks, Alaska. And it's one of the coolest places to be. A lot of people go to Alaska and they'll go on like the coast or go on cruises. Um, but the inner part of Alaska and really... I don't know, getting to know the actual people that live there and not just other yep. cruisers is yep. super cool experience. So yep. anyways, that's what we did. But I'm um, excited to have Susan Maros, uh, Dr. Susan Maros on the podcast today. And she wrote a book called um, Calling in Context. And several months ago when I reached out to IVP and to bring Susan on, I was thinking about this because the whole idea of calling, I think, is, David, something that we've talked about a lot between us, it's like, um, you know, how, how do you determine if you're called from God to do something? How do yeah. you determine what that calling looks like, how it shapes your life? I mean, it, it's a word that often gets thrown around without yeah. really understanding what it means. Yeah. And you have all these, uh, and, and, and Susan's writing is so thorough with a lot of this, but you have these experiences where you see somebody called of God, like Moses, right. and the, the, the bush burns, and then it's all of a sudden like, Lord, where's my burning bush? You know, like, yeah. he did it for Moses, he's obligated to do it for me, apparently, you know, or just based on your background, you have preconceptions of what it me like what calling is, and how it happens, and what it leads to. And uh, I just found Susan's writing helpful, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to chatting with her today. That's one of the biggest things, right? Because when we use the word calling, I'm going to guess a lot of people in our audience mean something very different than what would immediately maybe come in my mind or, or your mind. So yeah, that... um, let's have a conversation here. Dr. Susan Maros is an affiliate assistant professor of Christian leadership at Fuller Theological Seminary, where she has also served as a doctoral supervisor and an adjunct professor at the King's University, South Lake. Texas, and she is a past president of the Academy of Religious Leadership as well. So, Dr. Susan Maros, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, and thank you for putting up with uh, a little bit of the technical issues we had earlier. Uh, I know that's always always fun. So, thank you for your patience. You bet. <laughs> well, here's the obvious question, I guess, um, to start with. I mean, why write this book in, in the first place? Uh, calling into context. When did that start? coming into your mind and thinking, man, I need to write on this because writing a book obviously is a big task. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, that, that's actually kind of, in some ways, that's a long question to answer. So let me, let me try to give you the short version. Part of it is why this book? Because it was my sense of the next faithful step. This was the next thing I needed to do to be faithful to God's calling in my life, mm. to use calling language. Um, and, and the short version of a longer answer is this is the book that developed over about 25 years of work and, and working with people and talking about how God shapes and forms people across a lifetime. Um, and so this, in a sense, this book was the synthesis of this is what I've learned so far. Uh, which is a big reason why you'll you'll see the book is dedicated to my students who are my most faithful teachers um, because there was something that they had shaped in the process of a long time of talking with them that yeah. it's kind of okay i need to say this at this moment so yep. that's that's kind of my short answer of what's really a more convoluted process what in in working collaborating with learning from uh, students what has been maybe a common misconception or a common posture when students have talked about calling or the will of God for my life? Um, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. What, what has been sort of the common, in your observation, the common, um, I don't want to say error because that sounds so pejorative, but you know, what, what are they, where are their opportunities for growth and their understanding of calling? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of anxiety that people have, right? And, and it's sort of this, hamster wheel kind of, I need to know, I need to know, oh no, if I don't know, you know, my, uh, somehow I, I'm going to miss God and it's just, I'm, I'm going to make the wrong decision and, and life is going to turn out terrible. You know, this, this anxiety that I see in people. Um, and it, it, to a certain extent, how I'd answer that depends on which students you're talking about. Um, so I'm going to answer that for my North American students, particularly my U.S. American and Canadian students who often have, first of all, a sense of, I have to know, like somehow I have to know my call or I can't take a step. Yep. Right. You know, yep. any step I'm going to take is going to be the wrong one. If I don't know my call, that's one. Another one that I, I, that's very common is the sense of the call sets a trajectory for a lifetime. It's a once in a lifetime moment that happens that determines the whole rest of my life. And if I don't get that once in a lifetime moment, then I'm just going to be, I don't know, aimless, lost. I'm going to miss out purposelessness. I don't, I, you know, all sorts of things that come with that anxiety. That How, how's that different? Yeah. How's that different from other cultures? Well, I'm still in process learning that, you know, so it's, it's, um, that's a good question. I, I, yeah. I too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've talked to people from other contexts that also have the, the desire to, how do I know? How do I discern? How do I have a sense of certainty, a sense of clarity, a sense of peace? That is there. Um, what I notice in other contexts is there's a lot more of a communal understanding of calling. You know, so, so for example, um, I was talking with a group of pastors and leaders from South Africa. And they come from a particular people group that's in the northern part of South Africa and the southern part of Namibia, you know, to, to put it geographically. Um, and they were going around the table sharing their stories, saying, uh, you know, this and this and this. And when I received my call, blah, 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 blah. They use that phrase over and over again, when I received my call, which I interpreted as when I knew I was called or when I heard from God or when I had that personal inner clarity. Now, fortunately, I had a colleague with me, 
um, Birgit Herpik, who I mentioned in the book, um, and give thanks to and the acknowledgements because she was part of the process. But uh, she was with me. She um, had worked in Ghana, which so South Africa, Ghana, two different cultural contexts, but still she had been in Africa and I hadn't. And, and she asked me this question afterwards, said, did you understand what they were saying? I said, I think so. She said, no, they were saying when the community decided I was called. Mm. You know, and I heard it in terms of when I know. Yeah. And what they were saying was when the community acknowledged, when the community recognized my calling. So, so what did so that the, look like for them in terms of community? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, the, the, the particularities of it, actually, I don't know, because that was, that was the end of the conversation. I didn't follow up. But it, if I take into account other people who I've talked to, have talked about more of a communal experience, there's a sense of, of a dialogue back and forth between the individual and the community. And that, and that the community is not, we have some U.S. American and Canadian contexts, particular theological traditions where you might be under care for a calling, mm -hmm. you know, where you have a group of people that's walking with you. Um, and so the community is seen in, the, in this context is seen as people that um, are a sounding board or um, are mentors or who help you in the discernment process, but it's really down to my call. Whereas I've noticed that people that come from more um, communal kinds of cultures it's more of the community has an identity and a, and a part in God's work in the world. And all the individuals have a different role to play in that, but it's more of a sense of the collective. We together are pursuing the call of God. And the particularity of the individual role is about what you may, how you participate in that, but it's less about me as an individual figuring out what God has called me to do, which when I go back to scripture, it's like, well, really it's a much more communal context, you know? So when I'm, when I'm reading in, I need to individually know my personal call to my ministry that God has called me to do. I'm reading an individualistic view into scripture that actually isn't there. Not that God doesn't care about yeah. individuals because God does. Well, but I'm emphasizing me instead of what God is collectively calling us to do. Well, it's like, Dave, uh, my mind goes to, like, you think of, like, Moses, right? You think of, okay, that kind of calling, as opposed to maybe going to Acts and seeing mm -hmm. how they were sent out, how they were, how this was all shaped within the context of the community. Huh? This has me thinking. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, Dave? Well, I think, uh, like Susan said, if you look at the descriptions, it seems like those callings were kind of confirmed within the body. And honestly, if you think of, you know, myself as a 19, 20, 21 year old struggling with the what am I going to do with the rest of my life calling questions. Why did I not, with the people with gray hair and wisdom in my congregation, where I, why did I not lean on them more? Like, you know, like it just seems like, just from a practical standpoint, that makes so much sense. And it also seems to reflect a lot of the, the narrative as well. And even Moses was called to a context, like a a covenant people group, you know, so he wasn't yeah. just some sort of lone ranger. Uh, so, yeah. You're so, Susan, I'm interested. You said your background. So you grew up as, as a missionary's kid, right? In mm -hmm. Brisbane, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, how did that shape your understanding of calling and, and all that? I think what it did was set me up to be able to listen to and appreciate 
that God works differently in different contexts. Mm. Uh, you know, so, so having, having been a missionary kid, my parents loving Brazil and Brazilians. And so even after we were back in the U S I used to joke that my parents knew every Brazilian within 50 miles, you know, cause they just had this radar ping, 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 Brazilian, right, right, you know? Right. Um, and, and so more than specifically speaking to a sense of call, it was more that that experience as an MK and then, and then as an adult also, uh, being on the mission field for for a season of time and then you know choosing to do my schooling in the context of a school of intercultural studies um all of that shaped a context that sensitized me or made it possible for me to to recognize hey there's more than one way to think about this god god's the box that fits yeah. in my context right. isn't necessarily the only box that god uses Okay, so a little bit of a side note, because I picked up on this in your writing. So I, I just finished a PhD in intercultural studies. And so you mentioned missiologists and things like this. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's really interesting, because there were different points where I'd say, okay, yeah, I can understand. And it's Dave and I were talking about this. Sometimes people will wonder, well, why should I study other cultures, right? Why mm -hmm. should I understand? And why not just say, okay, like in a church context, okay, Whatever shows up on a Sunday shows up. And why do I really get to understand whether it's BIPOC people or, or just people um, that are different in my community? Why? And it, to me, it kind of comes down to, well, okay, do you want to effectively build relationships with people? And I mean, for you, like, what's your motivation? Because you talk about Ariana and why don't you just get into that story maybe to, to, to start us off? Like, wh why, why was that exchange that you had with her so impactful for you? Yeah. Well, th this is a good example of why think about cultures. I think it, it's an example of, of a dynamic that showed up with a lot of other people, not just Ariana, but Ariana was the story that I told. And I was really grateful to her to be willing for me to tell her story with her name attached to it. Um, that I had all these, well-intentioned assumptions about my interaction with her. Um, and I assumed that she experienced me as I intended, according mm -hmm. to my intentions. And I wasn't aware of the ways in which I was participating in an environment that, that disrespected her heritage and her culture and the ways that God, it, because it disrespected her heritage and her culture, there were ways in which God had shaped and formed her and uniquely gifted her to contribute to God's work in the world that were being overlooked. Do you, do you have an example of that? Was it one that you could think back on? Um, I, for, for Ariana in particular, you know, she has this beautiful fiery Latina spark, right? And, and she, I watched her spark dim because she f she was being discipled by people that emphasized a white middle class set of values that didn't fit with her fa her extended family with her culture with her context um, but she was conforming to that and she you know she she muted for a season of time her voice was being muted at least mm -hmm. that was my observation looking in from right. the outside until she started to recover her sense of identity and her sense of uh, this is part of who God has made me. And this is part of the gift that I bring to the world is this, is this Latina fire that is right. part of who she is. Uh, but there's also, I, I would also add to that for, for Ariana, but in general, that 
that there are ways in which God's nature and character is reflected in our cultural values and styles and ways of being. Um, and there are ways in which God's nature and character are distorted and muted because of, of the inherent sinfulness of our cultures and practices. And so that's one of the reasons I think we need the diversity is because I'm going to see something about God that is present in another person's, another culture's, another people group's experience exactly. of who God is and how they experience God, that there's ways in which that it so enriches my understanding of who God is and yeah. how God is in the world. And, and my understanding of who God is revealed himself to be in scripture. Um, I, we need that diversity for us to see God with greater clarity. Well, you mentioned the com community, right? That takes mm -hmm. me, if you go dig far enough, takes me to the Trinity. And I think of the mm -hmm. essence of who God is. God's a communal God, right? There's so many pathways that mm -hmm. it, it changes. Yeah. Maybe yeah, looks like you were about to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Susan. So I think there's a challenge here because we want the actual diversity. Like uh, for me, uh, you mentioned uh, Ariana. We want who she the the we want her to flourish in this community that we're in. But so like from the outside, somebody would look at the the photo and say, "Oh, look at this diverse population." But really, if if Ariana and who she is and what her culture uniquely brings to our understanding of the body of Christ is squashed into sort of a box, um, as I'm thinking of um, Lamar, Lamar Hardwick. When he, yeah, yeah, when he said, well, what did you know, he say again? What was that quote? He, was, he, he said, you know, it's not enough that you invite someone to share your space. They mm. have to be able to shape it as well. So yeah. I mean, in this challenge, um, you mentioned power. I think power comes into this as well because, like, uh, it's great to say, like, oh, we welcome people from all of these different places, but who is sh who is shaping the space? Can you maybe comment on uh, some ideas for a way forward and some of that? I know that's a loaded question. Well, it's also really big, you know. Yeah. How do we, okay, first, first is even an awareness, right, which which is part of the process I went through. And, I, and another, uh, one of the experiences that I mentioned in the book is when my Malaysian colleague, Sue Pick Lim, who we were, we were in the PhD program together and I was doing all this reading, reading, reading on vocation and calling and, and reading everything. And she made this off the cuff comment about, yeah, I don't really like books about vocation written in the United States. They're just too American. And it floored me, right? I'm assuming this is a biblical concept. What do you mean too American? Like, isn't this a universal thing? You know, so, so that's an example of, of a point where I was growing in awareness. So I think that's the first thing. As leaders, as people in a community, as neighbors, I'll often have my students tell me, well, I live in a very, I live in a very white neighborhood. You know, I don't have anybody, any diverse people in my city. You know, it's very white. And it's like, okay, let's go check the census data. And then we go check the census data and discover actually it's their networks that are very uniform. It's not their region, you know, so that's another point of awareness, like developing a sense of awareness, knowing about um, the, the history of your, your city, your town, um, becoming aware of your own family history. Where, where do you come from? You know, do you have stories? Maybe you don't have stories. And if you don't have stories, why not? You know, sometimes there's some stories behind why you don't have stories. Mm. Yeah. I love right? your line in the book. Sorry, as I know you love quotes, but this one was money. 
we cannot examine what we cannot recognize. So I love this as a first step, but yeah. what, what would be next in your mind? What would be something that you would say, consider this? Yeah. The next step I would say consider is listening. So if you're starting to become aware, listening to people from your, who are similar, who have similar identity, background, theological um, environment, cultural, racial, ethnic, cultural environment, whatever it is, you know, people are similar, listen to their stories, but be listening to stories of people who are different. You know, podcasts are great for that. You know, there are all kinds of podcasts of people talking about people talking from their particular context. So, so listen, 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 listen. And, and one of the spiritual practices that I found to be central, uh, one is the practice of shutting up. Okay. So, so I, have, I have lots uh, as I'm listening, I have lots of instances where I'm like, yeah, but, and I want to argue back. And I've learned that that's, that's to me, that's my personal flag. As soon as I feel yeah, but rising up in me, it's like, zip it. Like you got to listen some more. Uh, Cause there's something that, that it's rubbing up against that I'm hearing something different than what I'm used to, than what I think the world looks like. And I want to argue with it. So I need to listen, listen. So the silence, um, Listening is, so becoming aware, listening, continuing to listen, continuing to be formed. I think lament is really important. Personal and corporate lament is really important. Uh, because once we start to recognize, like I did with Ariana, uh, where I had had a different impact on her than had been my intention, that needed space for grieving. That I needed to lament that and bring that to God and and process that in in that in that space that allows for oh i'm i don't have the impact i'm not who i thought i was i i'm not affecting the world in the way that i i i thought i was called to and and i thought i was going to have this effect and and i'm discovering i have something different um, that's true for us personally in our own behavior and attitudes i think that's also true for us with our communities that we need to do some lamenting as we recognize oh there's, there's something else going on here. There's things I didn't see. Oh my goodness. There's, there's um, pain that's been caused. There's uh, oppression. There's wounding. There's, there's people have been silenced. People have been marginalized. I didn't realize that. Uh, and the need to lament in the midst of it. And then to start to take steps forward, but we need to, we need to uh, learn and listen and lament before we start to engage in labor. And I'm, and I'm quoting, um, uh, Phil Allen, who was one of the stories in the book, uh, and and he wrote a book, um, Open Wounds, which he mentioned those those four points: listen, learn, lament, labor, uh, and which I think is a good order to think about it. Hmm. We 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 have a tendency to feel passionate about something, particularly around issues of justice and equity, yeah. right? And so we just want to leap in right to labor, just go smack into we're going to change, burn it all down, and change it all. Well, okay. Listen, learn, lament first, and then labor. Yeah. Well, D Dave was just writing, writing something along those lines uh, last week. He was sharing. It's kind of come out on a blog post. But just the importance of taking time, right, and taking the time. And Susan, you know, one of the things that I think you talk in the context of building connections with people and understanding where people are at, and, and you see it on social media and things like this. I was talking about to Dave about this before the podcast, like just the importance of relationship, that so many times when people will, will be like, yeah, but have you considered this? Have you? And, and when you sense people aren't giving you the benefit of the doubt, a lot of times 
Uh, there's several red flags that could be there, but a lot of times it's an indicator that a relationship hasn't been formed. And I, I've just found how many times when, I don't know if you'd say the same, but when I've been in different cultures, and so when we live in Toronto, Canada, but very culturally diverse there, when you're in different cultures, I found you could, you could, there was room for you to make mistakes <laughs> so long as you were willing to sit at the table of someone else and be willing to learn. Mm -hmm. and it was when you came with the posture of arrogance that it didn't almost matter what you said then. Yeah. Uh, you were just kind of rejected, right? Yeah. 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 So there's an assumption sometimes when you come to a, even just in the listening step, um, I think I think your point to awareness about who you are and where you've come from is so great, Susan. I I went to Mexico for the first time close to 15 years ago, and I was um, teaching at a band camp. So like I'm the person with the knowledge. I'm teaching young students. I'm teaching some in broken Spanish. My Spanish is pretty meh, um, and I was correcting somebody. Somebody was doing something and one of the, the uh, uh, teachers the local teachers came after this like oh you might be able to do that where you're from but that is so rude here uh, mm -hmm. like you can't use that you know you you know telling someone using that word and just this lack of a, I came away from that whole trip I, I, I told my my wife at the time um, you know just I went down here to like try to do some work and do some good and I just ended up it was like the Lord had a week-long session about learning and just seeing the riches of another culture that I hadn't experienced. It was like so eye-opening, and um, I, I feel for people that maybe don't get to have those experiences or like the experience that you did growing up in another culture, mm -hmm. and you see another way of doing things, and you see the richness that you, that you miss out on by not being there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's circle back here. Um, the whole idea of calling in context. I mean, so if you if you have a student that approaches you and they say, I want to figure out, you know, how do I know God's will for my life? What would you respond to a student that would ask you that question? Yeah, and I get that a lot. You know, people come, I teach classes on vocational formation, you know, and so they come in and I ask them what they're hoping for and and there's a lot of, I'm hoping in 10 weeks, I will know exactly what God has called me to do. And internally I'm going, okay, I'm going to fail your expectations, but I need to do it at a rate you can manage. So I don't, I'm, that's you know, awesome. So I'm not going to tell you like right off the bat. Um, that's not possible. I, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's fruitful. I think, I think we spend a lot of energy on the knowing, the emphasis on the knowing. And so it's more, do I have the time to explore with this person, right? So do I have some relationship and some time? Are they in a class? Are they in a workshop? Are, they, are we in some kind of relationship where we have an opportunity to explore? Or is this a one-off? So they're kind of, okay, you're, you're the expert. You're the professor. You've written the book. You, you're going to tell me the answer, right? And what, I, what I'd like to do is try to help people explore that expectation, like what's so important about that knowing? What are, you, what are you hoping for or what are you afraid of? That if you don't know. And can you trust that God is at work in you and will hold you and will walk with you through this process? This is a lifelong process. 
if you are if you are honestly diligently trying to understand what what god is inviting you how how is god inviting you to participate with god's work in the world and you're honestly trying to understand that i don't think you can miss it i don't think it's mm. I loved your I loved your lines um, so talking about the difference between I need to get this dot on the map settled versus a lifelong pursuit of discernment with God. It, it seems like our self-centeredness and our self-reliance, we want like, okay, just give me the answer and then I'll go do it versus like this sort of dependence. I, I don't know, Ez and I, we're, we've been kind of experiencing uh, maybe some similar questions that what your students have faced more recently and we've... And we've been really seeking the Lord together. And I think I, I feel uncomfortable in that sort of not knowing phase. And also, wow, I'm, I'm close to God in a way that I'm not when I'm sort of certain and just plugging away at something. Yeah. Well, yeah. and Susan, don't you think we love, we sometimes in, in maybe American culture, we love the idea of certainty, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes people fall in love with the calling. And and here's the deal. Um, there's always going to be someone out there who has a calling for your life, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming, right, when the students that, that you encounter, they've run across a few people like that and probably have suffered some disappointment. Am I wrong? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and, and so, so it's a mixed thing, you know, in one, in one sense, people will People want a roadmap to figuring it out, right? Give me the five easy steps to knowing God's call in my life. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, folks also can be really cautious about, so David, earlier you were saying, you know, why didn't I talk to the great hair saints in my church? Well, I think some of the reason is, is we're afraid that they're going to tell us what they think we ought to do. And it's going to be something that we totally don't want to do. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. That's they're going to, so, they're going to so get true. all up in our business and we don't want them there. You know, I yeah. don't want you to tell me, I, I want to know, I want to know from God. Um, but it, it's, I don't want other people to be, I don't want their expectations and their pressures mm. uh, to, that I have to conform to something that they expect yeah. of me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, a it's a, it's hard. It's tricky because I've had how many people come up to me over the years, right, pastor and whatever, and who have been very clear that they feel like God has told them something for my life. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's been spot on. I've seen that in retrospect, but then other times I'm like, okay, I think that was about as far off as you can get. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. I think as young students that that you work with, Dave works with. I think it's especially tough to to wrestle with that. And so, I mean, how do you put that into practice? How do you slow down in a way and really just be content without falling into i think the fear i performers like myself have is <laughs> that fear right of like just falling into oh i don't want to be lazy right i want to yeah. be fruitful yeah. and, you know all that yeah. stuff but then yeah. i also want to you know, let go and let god yeah how do you strike that balance <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> and, you know That's I mean, why we brought you on. You're supposed right? to. I know. We have I have 50 all the minutes here, Susan. Come I on. I wrote the book. I'm supposed to have the answer, right? Come on. Um, it, it, it really, it's, it's so organic and it's such a journey, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I want to know too, and I've had those times in my life where, where I have seasons where it, it feels really clear and I know I'm living in the middle of the person I'm supposed to be and who, the place and I'm serving the people that I'm supposed to be serving and I'm engaging with God's work in the way that I'm supposed to be engaging. And, 
it, it can be super easy to get complacent in those times of you just trust God and it'll get all clear. And then I've had those other seasons of time, you know, where, where the clarity dims or I'm in a moment transition in particular, you know, where there's something new that God's bringing on and a new season, a new phase of development. And then it's all, it's all unclear. And I'm in the fog like everybody else. Um, boy, can we embrace, can we go back to embracing that it's, first of all, that it's a journey. It's not an arrival. Um, I don't know why we have such a fixation on knowing. I just re realize we do. And I do too. You know, I, I get there too. Um, can we, can we hold that with an open hand? What do you uh, think God does in us with not knowing? Like, how does God shape our character through that? You th how do you think? Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe a lot of it is about dependence, mm -hmm. right? That that it, in the end, ultimately, the ways that I participate with God's work, the ways that I contribute to the building of the kingdom, ultimately has to come from abiding. To go to mm. to um, John fifteen language, right? Abiding in Christ, right? So. So if I'm like, just tell me what to do and I'm going to leap off the vine and go do it. You know, there's not a bearing of fruit. Like I, I have to continue to abide in the mm. vine and allow the life of God to flow through me. And, and I, I don't know about everybody else, but I really am a, just tell me what to do and then I'll go do it. You know, I, yeah. I can, I can charge ahead a new problem. So, uh -huh. so certainly in my own journey, in my own life, there've been multiple times where God's like, ah, no, you, you, you're just going to sit here in the fuzziness until you get comfortable. You know, it's almost like I'm a squirming two-year-old, you know, that doesn't mm. want to be held. No, no, no. You know, I got to go do, I got to go run around and God's just going to hang on to me until I calm and I can sit in quiet. And, um, and particularly for, for folks like me that are wired like me, and, and maybe as for, for what you said, maybe, maybe we have some similar wiring where it's like, I want to go change the world. You know, yeah. I want to make everything better. I want to do stuff, you know, and, 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 so for, for those of us who are wired that way in particular, we have a really hard time with just being. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, so the notion that ministry flows out of being, I've known that for years, but I still want to go do stuff, right? And, yeah. and there's something about just being and trusting for the moment, you know, that today I get up and I'm as faithful as I know how to be today and just trust that that's enough. Right. Yes. Susan, I loved your writing um, when you when you were sort of mentioning God's calling his people to be holy. And my best understanding at this point as someone who's maybe a bit more in the fog, which is kind of weird at almost 40 um, at this point, is that God cares more about my integrity and my character, my personal holiness, than he does about where I'm going to be in 10 years or next year. And if if I just like, oh, God wants me to be holy— today and I'm focused there um, I feel like a lot of the details of like where I'm going to be he was he's going to be faithful in time but as soon as I start getting on to this like what's the next do thing and uh, I'm not intentional and I'm not living in the vine I feel like that's when um, I'm sort of to borrow a phrase I'm sort of living against the grain of the universe a little bit you know mm -hmm. and um I don't know. I just, when I'm, it's like what you said, I don't know that it's anything new. Like we have to, we have to abide in Christ. Like, yeah, I know that, but I want to go do stuff. Yeah. But when I, when I actually, man, we actually, so as and I, we've been chatting and actually praying together this week about some specific things and just meeting at a specific time every day. And wouldn't you know, it, I had a 
very significant answer to prayer for my family last week. And I think it was related to this. And it, when, I, when it happened, I feel like on the backside of it, God would just stand in there like, yeah, of course. Like, of course, you were seeking me. Of course, I'm going to talk to you about this. Like, you might not always get the answer you want, but like, of course, I'm going to be faithful. But how many times I'm so quick to like, all right, how can I fix this, you know, in the flesh and then end up doing more harm than good? Um, but enough yeah. personal story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just, I was going to pull this up here. I, I was uh, thinking just a couple weeks ago, I was praying you know, specifically, and I, I remember praying, I was going to pull it up here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I was praying specifically, okay, God, would you don't show me what to do? I specifically said that don't, you don't have to do that, but, but like, would you give me confidence that you are working in my life during this season? I felt that was an appropriate prayer to pray. And the next, so I pray that, um, Monday night, the next morning I wake up and Tina Patamber, she, uh, does some blogging on, on, uh, our website. Uh, she sends me this, lengthy email and she says, I believe, you know, God spoke to me and that the here's a word specifically for you. And right when I read it, I was like, and and it just talks about just being patient and sitting still and trusting and resting. And she had no idea. I hadn't talked with her about this at all. Right. But there's it feels like in our in our spiritual journey, Susan, like there's different points where God will it's like we pray for like a fire hose, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get different like um drops of, mm. of God's like blessing here and there and, and showing us that, yeah, he's still, and perhaps it's in those that, that, that it helps us seek God at a higher level than if the fire hose and, and <laughs> instant clarity were suddenly brought to us. I, I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts as you're hearing us ramble here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I expect you probably had similar experiences to ones I've had where when what God is doing unfolds over time, right? And I look back, I think if God had told me five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is, right? If God had told me what was coming, I would have absolutely lost my mind. Like I would have yeah. freaked out. Yeah. I would not have known what I'd to do with sure. it. Right. Absolutely. But because it unfolded bit by bit and, and I walked with God in the process, then things happened that were beyond my imagining, um, both wonderfully as well as really hard, but, but. God was there and, and, and present and still at work. Um, and yeah, I, I think for whatever our age is, um, and, and this is one of the things like kind of the 20, 21, 20, you know, 20 year olds, whatever, who are wanting to know what is, what is God's call in my life? Then they get into conversations with the 40 year olds and the 60 year olds who are like, and I want to know what God's call is in my life. And it's, I think there can be a little bit of this, what? You mean it never gets completely clear? It's like, no, we have moments of clarity. Like there are there are those yeah. moments where we do have a sense of, oh, this is something, this is a task I should do, or this is this is a process that God is at work in my life, or this is something I'm I'm supposed to engage in in some way. Um, or we take off to, you know, I did between um, college and seminary, I spent four and a half years in, in the mission field, for example, you know, and that was a clear sense of this is something I'm supposed to go do. Um, it was it was like so clear. I, sometimes I describe it shorthand was that God nailed me to the wall and tattooed Amsterdam to my forehead. You know, it was it was it was just thing, 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 thing happened to make make it clear. But then there have been other things in my life where it's not that kind of clarity. It's been a much quieter, slower process that when I look back on, I can say, oh, 
I see now, this is what God was doing and, and God's fingerprints are clear in retrospect. And that to me is another key, right? That, that we hear people's stories and we tell the story like it's a straight line. You know, in reality, it's more like a plate of spaghetti, right? It's yeah, in and out, right. and back and forth, and you know, false starts, and you bend back, and it's ta yep. all tangled up. You know, that's the experience. That's not how we tell our stories, but that's how yep. we, all of us, experience it. So, so maybe instead of thinking, oh, I have to have that absolute certainty, so I know what the next step is, maybe, maybe it's more about, okay, God has me, God is at work, God will be faithful to complete the work that God began. Philippians one, right? Um, so maybe I'm already somehow in some way living in my call right now. What is my sense of what God is, what does obedience look like right now? What does faithfulness look like in this moment? And can I trust if I do that in this moment that God will now then um, our, our, our lovely, you know, your lamp, your word is a light into my feet, mm. lamp under my path. Uh, I mix that up, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, that God will show the next step and then the next yeah. step and then the next step um yeah. and sometimes that will include god tells moses go to pharaoh and have this conversation with him um like i don't know what yeah i don't know what you think i'm not a big fan of the phrase okay god unless you show me exactly what to do i'm gonna i'm not gonna do anything i'm not a big yeah. fan of that because i feel like there's always things that we can do but I, correct me if i'm wrong here susan but i feel like there's certain times when i feel like i'm in a place right now where before we would make a move or make an adjustment, I need to hear clearly from God that that's what we would need to do. But I don't need to hear clearly from God to go and volunteer, help out in my church. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole set of, there's like two different things. I kind of categorize them in two different things. I, gotta, I need to hear from you, I think, here. But in this, in this area, there's so many things that I can do um, to walk in obedience to who you've called me to be. I mean, mm -hmm. is that a helpful way to do it? You know yeah, I think possibly. I, and I, I'm, I'm mindful as I'm listening to you, I'm mindful that I think our temperaments play a part in this. Yeah. Right. I think it's you know, huge. so, so I have somebody really important in my life who's, who's um, very laid back and tends to not take action, you know, so faithfulness for that person might be more often stepping up to the plate and taking action. Right. Mm. Versus someone like me who just always wants to go do stuff. Right. That, yeah, right. that faithfulness looks like, taking a breath and recentering and being aware of God's presence, you know? So yeah. I think, I think that's a factor too of where is God shaping, where is part of why I think discipleship and spiritual formation and vocational formation are all part of the same thing. Hmm. It's not, it's not, you get discipled and then you figure out your calling or, you know, it's, or something like that. It's, it's, it's all part of God continuing to form us and shape us across a lifetime. Um, yeah. into the people that he he created us to be. After listening, watching this, pick up Susan's book, Calling in Context, great place to, to start and really just work. I love the way you're putting this, Susan. It's not just a one, two, three step. So many of the books, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Self-help books that I help authors work on and I write for a living, so that's what I do. But um, it's so many of it is that here's exactly what you need to do, right? Uh, this isn't that. It's actually kind of more of an invitation to really think through it and, and really, as you because you know, as you've alluded to, it's just a wait on God and trust God. And um, so thank you for that. What's the best places that people can connect with you online, follow you online? Well, I, you can 
connect with me at susanlmeros.com. That's my website. And on Twitter and Facebook also, both Susan L. Maros. All right. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Susan. It's been a pleasure. And I think this is, yeah, it's given me a lot to think about. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. You've been listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program that helps you put into action the truth of God's word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. For more info on this program, simply visit our website, themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com. 